Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. Uh, We've been able to go on a lot of different road trips in different places uh, because, man, driving and uh, taking, uh, going somewhere is way cheaper than flying, right, as you guys uh, know. But we had a lot of uh, uh, chances to do that. But the reason I share that with you is because um, whether or not you like long drives and whether or not you like going on road trips, there's a universal truth about driving somewhere. There's a universal truth about uh, when you spend a lot of time in the car. And here's the universal truth. Whether it's a three-day trip or a few-hour trip, the universal truth is that the last bit seems like it takes forever. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like the last, uh, if you, you could have been in the car for 10 hours, but those last two hours of the drive seem like another 10 hours. They seem like forever. And I've always wondered, why is that? You know, why is it that the last bit of a trip, uh, even if you're just going across town, the last five, 10 minutes seems to take forever. And I discovered that someone's actually done a study about that. And here's what they tell us in the study, the effect that happens, uh, and the reason it feels that way is because as humans, uh, we don't have an uh, internal uh, uh timepiece. We don't have an internal clock that's just sort of passing the time for us. In fact, the way that we tell that time is passing is simply because uh, of different regions of our brain that are triggered from different uh, stimuli that we, that we see, whether it's the changing of the light outside or uh, actually looking at a clock. And so by then, when our brain is activated, what it does is it activates the brain's supplemental motor area is what it's called, or SMA, supplemental motor area. And so then when that is triggered, it it then helps us to understand time and uh, the passage of time. A, a university professor uh, who did this big um, experiment on it in France, she said that the more, though, that we note time's passage, so the more that we look at a clock and pay attention to it, the more the SMA in our brain is activated, and that's what makes it feel a lot longer than it is. So here's the answer if you're on a trip and you feel like it's just taking forever to get there, especially the last point. What they said in this article was that you simply need to not pay attention to time. (laughs) Don't pay attention to time. Now, that is way harder, of course, than it seems. But don't pay attention to time and it'll make things go a, a, a lot quicker. Well, you say, well, why do you bring this up? Well, because in Acts chapter 28, where we are today, we are in Paul's final journey that we have recorded for us. We are in the last stretch as he's been doing uh, or been desiring to go to Rome uh, for a very long time. And so for Paul, it must have felt like an excruciating amount of time knowing that he was so close to Rome. Now, in our study, we followed him uh, through places like Antioch to Lystra to Perga to Corinth to uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and then, of course, to Caesarea. And, uh, and, and now what we are seeing him traveling, uh, going to Rome for the very first time. Now, he had been faithful uh, to do what God had called him to do, which was take the gospel to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And then, of course, we know he made the Gentiles his primary focus for the gospel. And he had been faithful to do that. But in his heart, he had always had this desire to take the gospel to Rome. If you remember in Acts chapter number 19 and verse 21, Paul mentioned this where it says, and after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit. This is what he purposed in the spirit. After, or when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, here's what he purposed, to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must needs, or I must also, sorry, see Rome. I must also 
see Rome. Now, Paul made that statement, and that was his desire was to go to Rome. But since he made that statement all the way back in Acts chapter 19, what have we seen Paul go through? We've seen him go through uh, false accusations. We've seen him go through public beatings, people trying to literally tear him apart. We've seen uh, him go through uh, several trials before both Jewish leaders and Roman leaders. And, uh, and then, of course, we, it culminated with Paul directly appealing to Caesar, saying, I appeal to Caesar, to which Festus said, well, then to Caesar you will go. And so all of this is built up to this point. So now we knew that he was going to be going to Caesar. He had appealed it. But then it took another two years even and another Roman administration before Paul actually ever got on a boat headed to Rome. Then, of course, what we saw was what should have been a five-week journey, uh, where we're going to pick it up today, has now been five months since uh, that journey began. And it started with Paul uh, warning them about the dangers of the travel and warning them about the places that they would have gone to. But then we see them still going anyway, getting caught in a storm, uh, going just a 60-kilometer journey, but instead being taken by a storm 750 kilometers away and then crash landing uh, on the island of Malta. After that, you got to think and put yourself in Paul's shoe, this trip here. After that, they crash land. They have a shipwreck in Malta. God miraculously saves 276 people that were on the boat. He saves everyone that was there. And then we see Paul getting bit by a poisonous snake, being accused, uh, uh, he was accused of being a murderer then. And all of this is going on on his final journey to him. He's like, this is the culmination of what I've desired. I want to get to Rome. But there's just all of these things that are coming along. Of course, God used uh, Paul then. Uh, he, he survived the snake bite. And then God used him to heal the governor's father and many others on the island. And the gospel, of course, was preached. And it's been a wild journey so far for Paul. But the fact is, is that he is still not in Rome. He's still not there. He's still not at the destination that he wanted to get to. And I'm sure for Paul, this journey must have felt like the final day on a road trip. It would have felt like the last hour on a five-hour drive for that day. And I'm sure he was like, God, are we there yet? God, can we just get there already? This journey has been so difficult. Lord, why did I have to go through my fourth shipwreck in order to get to this place in my life? Can I just get to Rome already? Now, maybe you felt like that in your journey uh, with the Lord. And maybe there's been times in your life where you just wanted the difficulty that you're in to end. You just wanted the trials to finish up. You just want to see that thing that you've been waiting and you've been praying for. You just want that idea of what you consider to be peace. You just want that in your life. And you're like, Lord, uh, are we there yet? Are we going to get there yet? I've been waiting. I've been desiring this. Well, today what I want to do is I want to tell you something that my parents used to say to me as a kid. And it's something that I say to my kids uh, when they are like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you guys have all been a part of that. I want to tell you something uh, when it comes to your Christian life. And this is what they would say to us when we were on a, on a long journey together. And we'd, we'd be wanting to know when we're going to get there. Here's what they would say. They would say, hey, why don't you just look outside and enjoy the journey? Why don't you just look outside? This is what they say to us. Look outside. Enjoy the trip that you are on. Now, as a kid who'd been in a minivan for 10 hours already, I had a hard time understanding that, right? I just wanted to get to where I wanted to go. And now, but now though, as a parent who says that same thing to his kids when they're impatient about it, I understand what my parents were saying. And that was this, there is actually a lot of joy and there is a lot of satisfaction on the journey, Especially if you stay at some of the hotels that we've stayed in, definitely there's more joy the journey than at the hotel or the destination. But here's what I want us to sort of understand today. Paul is on the final few kilometers on this trip to Rome. 
But along the way, as he's on this journey, what we are going to see is that were some blessings. There are some blessings that he's going to experience on this journey. There's going to be some blessings on this trip. And oftentimes when we're on a journey, we miss out on so many things because we're so focused on just getting where we're going. But today I want to sort of slow things down a little bit even more and focus on the blessings of the journey that the Apostle Paul finds himself on as he's headed in this last and final trip to Rome where ultimately we know he will give his life for the gospel. I want to pick it up today in Acts chapter 28, verse number 11. It says, and after three months, that's on Malta, after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux, and landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence, in verse 13, we fetched a compass and came to Regium, and after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Putilio, um, sorry, uh, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from thence, in verse 15, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw and thanked God and took, uh, he thanked God and took courage. Now we're given the final details here of Paul's journey after three months of wintering in Malta. So uh, we know the weather was not great. Of course, there were no other ships. Everyone had sort of uh, put into port and locked down for the winter time. But now here we are three months later, and we see him getting on this other ship, I'm sure with, uh, with uh, the centurion Julius, of course, I'm sure with the other uh, soldiers and the other prisoners that had been along a part of his, uh, of his trip from before. And they get on this ship and they begin uh, this journey together. And they jump and they get on this Egyptian ship that was destined for Rome. Now, it's really amazing to me when I read this because the fact is, it's so interesting how God has just orchestrated things to work out this way. You know, before God had told Paul, he said, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to testify of me in Rome. And, and Paul at that point maybe wasn't sure what was going to happen. He wasn't sure what was going to be, uh, what God was going to do, especially after the shipwreck. How am I going to get from this shipwreck and how am I going to get uh, to where I need to go? But God behind the scenes was working it out that this other ship was already in Malta and it was already waiting for Paul. And so they get on this ship. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, and all these things shall be added unto you. And you know, Paul was somebody who sought the kingdom of God, first of all, and the Lord worked out the details. And so we see them getting on this ship. It, I'm sure would have been similar to the one that was wrecked just three months earlier. I'm sure they were checking, hey, do you guys have enough uh, banding to tie up the ship in case we have another storm? Do you make sure that we're not too heavy and burdened down? I'm sure they were checking on that, of course. But we see this ship, they get on and it sailed under the signs of Castor and Pollux, which was based off of the stellar constellation called the Twins. And in fact, uh, many uh, boats would use these two signs on their, on their ships. And uh, the constellation setting, what it would do is it would mark the new moon and when it was sort of safe to travel again. And so we see them on this ship. Now the, the spring is about there. Time is favorable to sail again. And they begin to go on their journey. Now, the first leg of the journey that he mentioned took them about 160 kilometers uh, to this city called Syracuse, which was on the east side of Sicily there. Uh, and then they went through Regium. And then we see them uh, on to Petuli is where they went then from that point. They went on up the coast there. It's, if you know Italy, the boot, they're on the, uh, on the west side of it. And they went up to that city called Petuli, which was a very important maritime port city there in Italy. It was there in Petuli that they spent seven days, and then we see some believers came uh, to them. They found them there, and then they began a 225-kilometer journey on foot all the way north up to Rome along a road called the 
Appian Way. Now, I want to talk about the Appian Way just for a moment. Here's a picture of it. I've actually seen it personally. Jeanette and I were there about five years ago. We got to see it personally. And it's an amazing thing. But the Appian Way is a road that was built. It was begun construction some 300 years before Paul was even there. Uh, But the road began its construction. And of course, the Romans were known for building roads all across the known world. And it really was break. uh, uh, It was really technology that was just groundbreaking uh, for its time. Now, the original purpose, of course, of this Appian Way from Rome down to the southern part of Italy was so that they could move troops quickly to the south where there had been some uprisings that had built up there at the bottom. There had been some rebellion there in the lower parts of Italy, and so they would send troops very quickly. But over the last 300 years, as I mentioned, it was developed, it was built, it was maintained, and it had been perfected as an example to the world of modern technology when it comes to traveling. Now, here's the one thing I know about the Romans and the roads that they built. I I know that as they began to build it centuries early, that they did not intend for, nor did they expect that Christians would be using those roads to spread the gospel all around the known world. That's an amazing thing to me as I just think about this for a moment. God's people literally used the latest technology that was given to them for traveling and for getting around the world. They used the latest technology given to them to spread the truth about Jesus Christ. And I had to think about even today. That's what we're doing, right? I mean, we're using technology that's out there and available to us to spread the gospel and to let other, other people know about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you got to think about Paul, man. He's traveled all over the place. And to him, this Appian Way would have just been an amazing road to walk on. It wouldn't have had to deal with so many issues that many of those dirt roads that he would have dealt with uh, throughout his time of journeying. And so here they are, they're on this easy road, they're on this final 225 kilometer stretch to get to Rome. And then we see that when they're about 60 kilometers away from Rome, where we see two instances of believers meeting up with Paul, both at the Appi Forum, which was actually more of a market. When you think of the forum, it was a marketplace. And then another 16 kilometers up the road, we see them meeting at this place called the Three Taverns, uh, or basically those were shops or inns, uh, a rest stop. It was a community that had built around three different uh, shops and rest stops that had been there. And we see these believers coming and encouraging them. Apparently, what we understand is that while Paul was in Petuli, word had been sent ahead that he was on his way to Rome. And so we see these gatherings of believers, these people coming out and meeting him and welcoming him and encouraging Paul uh, like the hero he was. I'm sure that when they saw him, they began to cheer. And it's so, to me, the, the, the connection is so cool because that same road, people would line the roads as the conquering armies or the victors would travel back up to Rome. People would line the roads and cheer for those Roman soldiers in the same way. We see people coming and meeting this hero of the faith, the apostle Paul, and encouraging him along the Away. And those moments along the journey would have been special to experience. And that's really what I want for us to reflect on today for the few moments that we have together. Because along in Paul's journey to Rome, what we see here and what I want us to be reminded of today are some joys that we experience in the Christian journey of life that we get to travel on together. So I want to take a moment and I just want to sit back and I want to reflect on the blessings of the journey that we are on together as Christians. The first thing that I see in this passage here is I see the blessing of Christian friendship. I see the blessing of Christian friendship. Verse number 13 again. It says, and we came the next day to Petuli where we found brethren. I've got that bolded there and where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from thence, when the brethren, those are the key words, brethren, brethren, heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum and the three taverns, who when Paul saw, he thanked God and he took courage. 
You know, if there's one thing that I've been reminded of uh, during the lockdowns that we've been through and the current one that we are in and we find ourselves in right now is that I often take for granted the blessing of my spiritual family. That's one of the things that God has spoken to me about. How often we take for granted the blessings of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Now, I know that we live in a society where isolation and individuality is uh, praised. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in our selfie society that we live in to make our lives all about us and all about us only. And there's, uh, you know, great uh, illustrations of people that are, you know, one man shows and who do things all on their own. But the fact is, is that God created each and every one of us with an innate desire for community. He created us with a desire to uh, be around other uh, people of like faith specifically, and God gave the answer to that desire that we have inside of us through the friendship of believers. See, church, God created you for togetherness. God created you for uh, being with other people. That's why from the very beginning, even in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now, that's talking about Adam and Eve, of course, but it speaks to the innate desire and God's desire for us to not be alone. We need other believers in our lives. That's why Paul and Luke, I don't know if you noticed there, it says that they went and they found other Believers. Now that word found there is just so interesting to me because in its original language, the translation comes, uh, uh, speaks to us of the idea of finding after searching. Finding after searching. So what does that tell me? That tells me that Paul and Luke, when they got there to Patoli, they went and they looked for, they searched out brothers and sisters in Christ, other believers. And you say, well, why would they do that? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he, he knows the Lord. He walks with God. Uh, and he had Luke with him. Maybe Aristarchus was still with him. I'm sure him and Julius had a good friendship now by this point. Uh, why is it that he would go and search out? Well, it's because he, Paul even knew that he needed Christian friendships and relationships in his life. He was headed towards Rome where there would not be a lot of believers. And so he recognized that if he had an opportunity to be around other Christians, he was going to take advantage of that opportunity. And so he, he went and they went and they looked for these other, uh, other people. Now, I realize today, and I'm sure some of you are saying this, hey, I have great relationships with those that are non-believers. And I recognize that. I have good friendships with people that are, are, are not uh, believers in Christ. But as a Christian, when you receive the Holy Spirit and you get a whole new outlook on life, what you understand is that Christian relationships operate at a whole different level. It's a totally different level that we operate at. Paul described it this way to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. He said that the Christian life is about bearing one another's burdens. And then he said this, so uh, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So a fulfillment of the law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. Then he says, for a man think himself to be something uh, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So to me, that's just so interesting because we are to bear one another burdens. That's to carry along uh, each other's sorrow and difficulty and trials and, 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 and problems that we're going through. But he says it's a way to fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? Well, if you go back to Galatians 5 uh, and you go back and look to that for context, what you discover is Paul talks about it being loving your neighbor as yourself. So think about that. Bearing one another's burdens, having those uh, real bonding, strengthening relationships in the Christian life is a way to show that you love them uh, as yourselves. And so Christian friendship is, uh, is a friendship that comes alongside of one another, that helps out in the burdens of temptations that we go through, the burdens of uh, discouragement, the uh, challenges of life, even financial challenges that we may face. Uh, part of being a Christian uh, 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 brother and sister in Christ is that we come alongside and we bear one another's burdens. Now, I know that it sounds kind of harsh to bring up Christian friendship as we just are in a lockdown right now. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I thought they're going to think I'm a total jerk to bring up Christian friendship uh, when we can't even really go and, and connect with other people. 
Um, but the thing that I have learned again is that we often don't recognize the importance of something until we don't have access to it. I think we've all experienced that in a lot of different ways, but especially when it comes to Christian friendships. And I hope that during this time of lockdown, when you're separated from your uh, uh, brothers and your sisters in Christ, that you would maybe take a moment and reflect just on the great blessing that it is to have a church family full of Christian friendships for you. But I want to encourage you with this when it comes to the idea of Christian friendship and the blessing that it is, is that in order to fully experience it as God intended, sometimes you have to be like Paul and Luke who went and looked for it, who went and found it, who uh, put effort into reaching out to those believers. I rem I'm reminded of Proverbs 18, verse 24, that teaches us uh, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. What a great truth that is. If we are going to be people uh, who have friends, uh, then we're going to have to reach out and be friendly ourselves. You know, during these difficult times of separation and lockdown, I want to encourage you to remember the blessings of Christian friendship and then to give the blessing of Christian friendship and do what you need to do to reach out to each other during these difficult times. There's a book called Into the Wild, which was later turned into a movie. And the author, John uh, Krakauer, he tells of a guy by the name of Chris McCandless, his true story quest to find happiness. And uh, his quest was, uh, or the way he thought he would find happiness was to go out into the wilderness. And he went out into the uh, Alaskan wilderness and live off the land. And so he went out there by himself, woefully unprepared, I will say. And that's another whole story there. Uh, but he went out into the wild in order to find happiness. Well, while he was there, and after being there for about 100 days, uh, he had been reading a book. Uh, and in that book that he was reading, it said on the side of the book, it wrote, an unshared happiness is not happiness. And then what he wrote in the margin next to those words, while he'd been alone for now some 100 days, he wrote this. He wrote, happiness is only real when it's shared. Happiness is only real when it's shared. He discovered the truth about humanity while all alone trying to discover himself. What he discovered is that God had created him for relationship. God had created him for community and God has created you in that same way. And so we must recognize on this journey that we are on, this life that we are walking in, we must remember the blessing of Christian friendships. But we also see in the passage here with the Apostle Paul, we also see the blessing of timely encouragement. Man, he was blessed by some of those relationships, but now we see him blessed by some timely encouragement. Look back again at verse number 15. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, so they heard where he was, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three tavern, taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. You know, we often say that God's timing is perfect, don't we? You've heard me say that. I know that you've said that. God's timing is perfect. And what I found in my Christian life is that whenever I'm in need of encouragement. Whenever I need uh, just to hear from somebody that, you know, everything's going to be okay and that, uh, you know, I'm doing the right thing or that I'm following the Lord in the right way, God uses people and God uses circumstances to be an encouragement at just the right time. Maybe you're uh, on there right now and you're, you're nodding with me in agreement. You're saying, oh yeah, man, God has brought some things. Would you put that in the chat? Would you just say me too? <laughs> That's me. God's encouraged me right when I need it. And it's so amazing to me how God works in those ways. This week, you know, after getting the news, I got the news a day early of the lockdown and I was pretty discouraged, to be honest with you. And I was just like, man, I feel like we're taking steps back again. You know, we're meeting a person. We've kind of got a good system going. It's so great to see people. And now we're back in lockdown. I, to be honest, uh, both Jeanette and I were a little bit discouraged. But it was so interesting to me 
uh, that starting that evening, I started receiving text messages from you, church family, encouraging me and and, and saying you're praying for me. And then I received uh, some phone calls this week uh, from other people. And I received text messages even as early as this morning at 7 a.m. I got a text message saying, Pastor, I'm praying for you and encouraging you. And you know what? I got to tell you, church, God has used that all throughout this moment and this last week. God has used that to encourage me and to strengthen me and to give me a, a, a passion again for what we're doing, even if it's just online at this moment. And God has used that to be a real encouragement to me. And it's so, I'm so thankful for that. And when I see here Paul being encouraged in, in all along the journey, what it tells me is that he probably needed some encouragement. He probably needed some encouragement. And so we see here God bringing these groups of believers and he gave and they, they came along and they met with him and they gave Paul a reason to thank God and to be encouraged. And that's a big question I want us to ask ourselves this morning. Am I finding ways in my own life to be an encouragement and looking for opportunities to be a blessing to someone else so that they might thank God and be encouraged? Or are you only looking for ways to encourage yourself? Are you only looking for ways to encourage yourself? You know, for Paul, I can't even imagine all of the emotions that he was going through at the time. I'm sure he was anxious. I mean, he was going to stand in front of Nero. Now, Nero had not uh, revealed how absolutely crazy he was yet at this point, but he certainly was a typical uh, uh, um, Roman Caesar, which was very unpredictable. He had no idea how they were going to respond to things. But Paul was going there. I'm sure he was anxious about that. I'm sure he was exhausted after this long journey. But now we see here God come along and use these other believers to be a blessing and encourage him and cause Paul to thank God and to be encouraged in his heart. Now, we understand the Bible teaches us to be encouragers. We know that. And we know that when he teaches us to be an encourager, it starts with the heart. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, he teaches us, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now that right there is the core. That's the core part of what God has called us to do as believers, is to look on the things of other people as well. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 teaches us that we are to comfort one another, that we are to edify and to build one another up. And so, uh, we know that and we understand that and we try to be a blessing to one another and we try to be a blessing to each other when we're in church. But what about right now? And this is what I want to focus on. What about right now? How are we an encourager? How can we be a blessing to each other when we're not meeting in person? How can God use us to bring encouragement to other people? Well, the answer is seen there again in verse number 15. I want you to look at it again. Verse number 15 it says, And they came to meet us as far as the Appy Forum and the three taverns. Why don't you look at that verse closely there? Do you see it there on the screen? It says, they came to meet us as far as the Appy Forum and the three taverns. Well, what does that teach us there? What does that teach us? Well, that teaches us that these believers who heard that Paul was coming traveled. It didn't mean that they were from there. It says they came. They came, from, uh, uh, came to meet us as far as. And so they traveled and they went along and they went to meet Paul. They went out of their way, to put it simply. They went out of their way and they put some effort into supporting and encouraging the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've had somebody go out of their way to be an encouragement to you. I remember a few years ago on my birthday, uh, it was probably like 8.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock. It was my birthday and, and we were planning out the day. We we're going to hang out and there was a knock at the front door. And uh, Jeanette was like, 
go answer the front door, you know, and, and I, was, I was off that morning, and I was like in my PJs, to be honest with you, and, uh, and I was like, I don't want to go, you know, the front door, and she was already up and ready. She's like, go answer the door, go answer the door. I go down there, and guess what? Some, one of my closest friends uh, was there, and he and his wife had driven up, traveled up from the States, and uh, just showed up on my birthday and came to spend the whole day with me, and I remember how awesome that was, and, and it meant so much to me because they went out of their way to come and spend the day with me and be an encouragement uh, to me. And church family, what I'm trying to get across to us is that now more than ever, we need to be a church family of encouragers that is willing to go out of our way to put some effort into encouraging and being a blessing to one another. You know, it can be as simple as sending somebody a text message to say, hey, you know, I thought of you today. I I prayed for you. It could be uh, sending them an email or, or just simply praying for somebody and then letting them know, I prayed for you today and be an encouragement that way. It could be making a phone call or a FaceTime or a video chat with somebody to say, hey, I just wanted to catch up and see how you're doing. I haven't seen you in a while, of course, and wanted to connect. Maybe it's sending a note uh, in the mail or uh, sending them an e-gift card. I mean, it's so easy to send a, uh, a quick, you know, Tim's card or, or something like that, $5 and just encourage them. It could be uh, that you could just doorbell dash a gift to them, you know, leave it on their front door, ring a doorbell and run away, uh, do something like that. But just be a blessing. Find ways. Go uh, out of your way. Don't uh, um, um, be willing to reach out to people and to say, I want you to know I love you and I care for you and, and I'm here for you as, uh, as your Christian uh, friend. You never know the kind of difference you can make in somebody else's life, especially as we now find ourselves in the second phase of lockdowns. And I got to tell you, us reaching out to one another and being encouragement, er, encouraging one another will be an important part of the health of our church family. And so I want to encourage you today to be a vessel of timely encouragement. Sometimes God may lead your heart specifically and say, hey, you need to reach out to that person. Sometimes it's just you taking uh, the effort and putting in the effort to reach out and to encourage other people. And I I guarantee you this, if the Apostle Paul was encouraged and blessed by believers going out of their way for him, I guarantee you there are people in our church family that will be blessed and encouraged by you going out of your way to encourage them. See, for Paul, this was just a journey. I mean, this is four verses of him on a journey. It's all it is. He went from here to here to here. But along the way, what do we see? We see some incredible blessings that God used in his life. Blessings of Christian friendship, blessings of that mutual love that people have in Christ and how God used his own people to come alongside of him and to be a blessing and to be encouragement in his life. And I gotta tell you, God wants to do the same with you this week. God wants to do the same with you during this whole time that we are in. God wants to use you to be an encouragement to others believers. And so today, as we find ourselves in the middle of another season of challenges and maybe another season of frustration, another season of an unknown future, rather than just focusing on the destination and saying, are we there yet? Are we done with this yet? Can we just get through this? Uh, uh, Can we just get to my own hopeful expected outcome, uh, how I want things to be? Instead of just focusing on where we want to be, why don't we step back for a little bit? And like my parents used to say to me, just look around and enjoy the journey a little bit. Look around and enjoy the blessings that God has given to you. People that are walking with you in this same journey. They're not ahead of you. They're right there with you. We're all at the same place. We're all going through the same things. And what I believe is that if we will do that, if we will just look around and enjoy the journey a little bit, we will find that God has already given us everything we need to have encouragement and hope and joy during this time that we find ourselves in. And it's not only hope and encouragement and joy for you, It's hope and encouragement and joy for others as well. And so in these challenging times, I want to encourage you today to remember and to be encouraged with the blessings of the journey.
We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.